Hi, everybody. I'm Dina, and I'm a compulsive overeater and a 100-pounder. Uh, my current abstinence is six and three-quarters years. I hope to still remain abstinent until July 11th, which will be my six years. Uh, seven years, what did I just say? I don't remember. Um, it's in my phone. <laughs> Everything important is in my phone. If I lose my phone, I'm I'm messed up. Um, and my current weight loss is 140 pounds. I gained pa uh, weight over my Passover holiday. Uh, didn't pass over me quite as gently as I would have liked it to. Um, what are my other currents? I suppose, okay, I'll tell you what it was like. What happened was like now. So a little bit of what it was like now is you already got it. Uh, what it was like is lonely. Um, I learned very, very early on um, in a somewhat dysfunctional household that um, in order to quell my uh, discomfort, I could ingest large amounts of carbohydrates. Didn't know that they were carbohydrates at the time. It was bread and sugar and oil and all those kinds of things. And if they were all combined into a donut, well, all the better. Um, and I don't know how I knew. I just knew that all of a sudden it was, <sighs> and life didn't hurt so much at that moment. Um, my dad was a narcissistic rageaholic, really good but damaged person. Uh, my mom was a codependent and a compulsive eater, a very good but damaged person. Um, they were, as I say, wonderful people. I learned a lot from them. They didn't have a lot in the category of parenting skills. Um, and so that was really hard for me and my brother. Um, I also developed vitiligo when I was two. Uh, vitiligo is a skin pigment uh, problem. And I got a big gray streak in my hair and half my eyelashes. Most of my eyelashes on, on the left side are white. Um, part of my eyebrow there is white and the skin in that area has no pigment. It doesn't show up so much on my skin skin because I'm a lighter complected person, but it was really hard to be a two-year-old with a gray streak in my hair. And uh, children were ever so loving and accepting of all things different and um, made fun of me constantly. Um, and the more I sought solace in my food and uh, being by myself, of course, the larger I got. I don't think I was really huge. My pictures of that time don't don't say it. I was a little bit chubby. Um, I remember being about 12. Uh, I was 145 pounds and I was five foot nine. I had stopped growing at 12. Um, and I and I say to myself now, well, 145 pounds, five foot nine, dang, that's great, you know. Um, and I look at the pictures, and again, I was a little bit chubby. I didn't have a lot of weight on me, but I I don't know. My mom had this thing. Um, she put me on my first diet when I was nine. Um, and all I could really hear from that was, "We'll love you if." And then whatever it was, if you'll do this, if you'll do that. And most of the time it was if you'll lose weight, then then you'll be good enough for us to love you. Um, so I felt like my big, deep, dark secret from the world was that I was unloved and unwanted by my parents. I now know that that's not true. 
but from a child perspective, that's where I went with that. So I spent the majority of my childhood through my adolescence um, lying to cover up what I thought was the most horrific uh, truth that I was unloved and unwanted by my family. Uh, I was a, an excellent liar, an excellent manipulator, and I was a thief. I stole to support my habit, and I needed sugar, and I needed a lot of it. Um, so I used to steal a dollar a day from my mom's purse. Um, lunch at the time, I'll date myself, was 45 cents. <laughs> and uh, candy was between a nickel and a dime, so I had enough money for either two lunches and some candy, or one lunch and a whole lot of candy. Um, and again, I, I really felt like I needed it. Like my friend Mel says, I needed it in, like I needed to breathe. Um, we were a no-sugar household, so that was a really, really awkward situation. Um, had to eat most of my sugar on the sly. Um, I think I did my, when I did my first foodalog, my first time through the program, I calculated by the time I was in junior high school, I was eating large quantities of carbohydrates just about every two to three hours, um, just to cope, just to cope, because I, I often felt like I just wanted the world to stop so I could get off. It wasn't that I wanted to kill myself, I just wanted to stop existing, because um, it was just too hard. Um, I later learned when I was in college, and I finally got to go to therapy, that uh, my therapist said, you're depressed. And I said, yeah, I know. She said, no, 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 I mean like clinically depressed, like you need medication. And then again, when I look back on it, there's several times that I'd fallen into a very deep depression. And because my parents weren't really good at the whole parenting thing, they didn't notice. Um, so I started on medication. I was in college and I'm still on medication and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, but anyway, so... Because I was active and I rode my bicycle everywhere, again, I was able to sort of keep it relatively under control. The pictures show that, but in my mind, I was 400 pounds. I was huge compared to everybody else. In my mind, uh, my magnifying mind. Um, in high school, one of my favorite stories is um, just to show you the extent of how much I needed to have my, my sugar. Uh, we did do we did donut runs, and I would go in the car with the people who were going to go get the donuts because I had to be sure that I had mine. Um, and I would get three. I would get one for the car ride back to school, one for people who had the audacity to ask me for a piece of my donut, and then one for me uh, because I just I could not function without having those large quantities of of bread-like substance and sugar. Um, bread is my was my all-time lover. It was always there for me. We were raised sort of hypocritically Jewish, and we had um, a big challah bread Friday night, um, and we ate maybe a quarter of it. And then in the morning when my mom got up, she found another quarter of it because I had eaten the whole middle part um, with butter because it was just like it was my thing. Um, I would eat other people's pizza crust that they would leave behind in the box because I just, that was just my, my drug of choice. Um, and so what happened was I had a friend who was an alcoholic and 
And she said, you know, they have a program for people who eat like I drink. Um, And she suggested that I go. Um, I don't remember getting to the meeting. I do remember watching the teardrops uh, settle on the tops of my shoes when I was just looking down at the ground, listening to these people talk my truth. Um, they, They felt the things that I felt. They did the things that I did. They said the things that I said or that I would never say um, out loud. Um, and I, at that time, I think I was 19 or 20, I can't remember exactly, um, and I, I enjoyed going to the meetings because I felt an unconditional acceptance. I didn't really get the program per se because I think I was still too much of a liar and a manipulator at that time. Um, I'm also um, a sex and porn addict, and the only reason that makes a difference is because I found a lot of very eligible men who are willing to have sex with a 19, 20-year-old girl. Um, And that really, again, didn't help my recovery um, at the time. When I, what I did hear from those people, aside from, you know, Dina, we really care about you, is Dina, you're really, really messed up and you need therapy. Um, and so I walked away have, after having done a want ad for God, because we didn't have one uh, when I was growing up. Um, and I started working on that relationship with that higher power. And slowly, slowly, I sort of did like, I think the guy's name is Jack or John in the front of the big book. And it's like, oh, if I just understand the reasons why I eat, then I'll be cured. And so I spent a lot of time in therapy, stopped going to meetings, uh, got my head screwed on straight, uh, and was still a compulsive eater. I, what can I tell you besides that? I, I practiced my diseases um, until Well, August 30th, 1987, I decided that I was going to become a quote-unquote born-again virgin because I didn't want to get AIDS. Um, And I said I wouldn't have sex again until I got married. Um, And it was about that same time that I was able to put together the concept of the higher power that I had been working with all that time, even though I wasn't in the program, um, and the religion of my youth. And as my mother would tell you, I fell off the deep end and became orthodoxly Jewish, which to me is very fulfilling. But for her, it was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with her? Um, Then, of course, then I I met a nice orthodox Jewish man and we married and we had two awesome children. um, And I just kept eating. I think I weighed, I want to say I, I weighed around 250, 260 when I no, that's not true. Big fat liar. I was three two eighty, three twenty. Let's just call it three hundred pounds. When I got married, I wasn't the small bride, um, and I just kept eating and I kept eating. And um, when my my kids were very small, I thought, okay, well, I'm I'm done bathing them in the sink. I'm going to try bathing them in the bathtub. 
And unfortunately, the gravitational pull on me, uh, I couldn't get up off the floor when I was trying to bathe them in the bathtub. And I realized at that time, I wasn't going to be around for those children if I didn't do something. Um, so I made God a deal. I said, if you keep me off chocolate for a week and make it that I never see any of those guys that I slept with the first time through my program, I'll go back to OA. So having been off chocolate for a week, I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to OA. So I walked into Serenity Sunday. I'm sure many of you have heard of that meeting. And there's one of those guys. And I said, God, I thought we had a deal. And God's like, Sudi, I don't make deals. I don't know what you were thinking. You just, you just man up to it. Do what you got to do. And so um, I made my amends to that person. And I had the opportunity to make amends to many, many more people throughout my time back. I've been back now. 22 years, and I have not had chocolate in all that time. I, God removed that obsession from me, and I had a very serious obsession with chocolate. Uh, when I was pregnant with my first son, they told me I was going to have a little chocolate baby because I was at the candy machine all day. Um, and I slowly, slowly, with the help of wonderful sponsors, I've had, a, I've had several in the 22 years I've been back, um, began to identify foods that I don't eat like a lady. Um, they really have no purpose being in my life like chocolate. There's never going to be an instance in my life where it's going to be life and death or eat chocolate. Um, I, I put potato chips on that list about 19, 20 years ago. Haven't had potato chips since then. Um, and the path narrows, you know, and then I find foods that I feel really comfortable with. Uh, they speak to my soul, uh, saying, this is nutrition. This is good for the body. I hated my body for a really, really, really long time. I discovered in therapy a couple of years ago that I had blocked out memories of having been molested as a kid. And I think that that's part of where my eating uh, history took off. Um, not saying I have a love affair with my body right now, but I take a lot better care of it than I used to. Um, and I'm generally able to see food as fuel for the body. Tastes good, tasty fuel, but still fuel. Um, and now I've been with my current sponsor for, I want to say, about four or five years. Um, when I started working with her, she asked me to give up white flour, and I cried because bread was always there for me. Five minutes remaining. Thank you so much. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to live my life without it. Even now, you know, just the smell of it, it's like heroin. Um, but... She said, you're not giving up bread completely. You're giving up white flour. White flour literally has no nutritional value whatsoever. Um, and so I switched to uh, whole wheat or whole grain. Um, my husband, bless him, when he goes to the bakery to get uh, the bread for the Sabbath, he buys me itty bitty teeny weeny tiny dinner rolls, whole wheat dinner rolls. 
and my bread starts and ends with that itty bitty teeny weeny tiny dinner roll. Um, and now I'm safe. Now I don't have to worry about meandering into places that are not safe for me. Um, there are still foods that are not safe for me. Uh, I can eat, I love beef. Uh, I can eat it at a restaurant. I can't eat it at home when there's the opportunity to have more because I want more. And I can't always make sure that God's going to be the loudest voice in my head when it says I want more. Um, so I, if I make roast, it's for the family. It's not for me. Um, I usually have chicken. Um, what else don't I eat? I don't eat white rice for the most part. Uh, recreational snackage, we'll call it, like um, things that go crunch and they're salty. <laughs> In general, I, I don't have that. Um, Yeah, I try to eat things that are healthier for me, uh, make a, a lot of color in my day as far as my foods go. Um, I have my same breakfast that I generally eat, this choice of three. Um, my same lunches. Dinner, sometimes I run into a bit of a, hmm, because uh, sometimes my husband's in charge of cooking, <laughs> bless him. Uh, and sometimes I don't know what he's making for dinner and I'll come home and he'll say, okay, we're going out to eat. Okay. Most of the restaurants we normally go to, I know what's safe to order, um, but I might exceed my caloric uh, goal for that day. Uh, I use a food tracker so that I can keep um, honest about what I'm eating and have a better overall picture of have I had enough uh, roughage in my day, have I had enough green in my day, uh, things like that. Um, and then again, try to keep to my to my recommended uh, caloric intake so that I can continue to lose weight. To lose weight. I have not lost weight in a while. In fact, I told you I gained some weight over Passover, um, partly because my left knee is um, stage four arthritic, and it's please God going to be replaced in uh, at the end of June, so I'll be able to move more and move better. I walk with a cane right now. Um, and I know that it's like it's not rocket science. Eat less, move more is better for the body. Um, so I sponsor people. I am sponsored. Um, my, my focus is your relationship with your higher power. Um, because to me, that's, that makes the difference. That and working with others, those are the two things that I feel are like the crux of the program. Uh, working with others, I always think of that example in the big book where Bill's in the hotel lobby and he has a choice to go into the bar or go into the vestibule where the phone booth is and try to find you know, another drunk to talk to. And it's working with the drunk that helps him stay sober. So it's working with other compulsive eaters that helps me stay sober around my food. So that's why I love to sponsor and uh, I love to go to my meetings. Um, and then the God thing, you know, relationship with a power greater than ourselves. Uh, like I said, I didn't grow up with one. I invented one. It was worked for me. It, uh, my higher power is, uh, at this juncture, my higher power is my perfect parent's because your parents always want what's best for you. 
but they don't always give you what you want. <laughs> and so I'm frequently throughout the day checking with my higher power. So what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do now? What's What do I do here? Um, should I have another piece of blank? Um, is it okay to, and it just continue to ask and bring the higher power into my, into my daily living. Um, just to close with the concept of parents and how I was able to come to an understanding about my parents did the best they could with the skill set that they had was um, another fellow who's both an alcoholic and a compulsive, uh, compulsive eater. Fine. Okay. I'll just close with her example of if they had a bag and they put everything they had to give me in the bag, love, affection, time, money, and then they turned the bag upside down over my head and shook it. They gave me everything that was in that bag. All that came out was crumbs, but that's all they had to give me. It wasn't that I wasn't worthy. It's that they didn't have it. So with that, I'll close um, and I'll wait till the recording is over and share my phone number.